who are you to stand in, in, in front of anybody? So I think my whole thing is like, and I think again, Jen, my friend Jen in the parking lot that day, it's like, if you don't see the good in yourself, no one else will. And I think when I started realizing that I'm pretty, a, a pretty tenacious person and it takes a lot to push me down and I'm super forgiving too. Like I'm a very, very forgiving individual also, which I think has kind of helped me along the way also, but I don't know. I just think, I think it's a little bit of a combination of stuff. I think it's one thing is because I was told I couldn't don't tell me I can't do anything. So I'm going to do it. That's number one. Um, number two, I mean, I feel like you got one life to live, live it to the extent that you can. Why, why, why fail yourself short? You know what I mean? I don't know. I just think, I don't know. We, we live in the land of opportunity and I just feel like sometimes excuses are easier than actually just doing it. I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have, I have failed and I have, I've sat back and I've cried and, and I've felt sorry for myself, but I don't know. I just think nothing's that bad. Hey friends, I'm Jennifer, and you're listening to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast, a podcast for beauty industry providers and business owners that are wanting to level up their game to create a profitable career. If you're feeling stuck and you want more out of this industry, then join me as I share with you my strategies, lessons I've learned along the way, and how I overcame fear by shifting my mindset to build a healthy business. I built a solid book behind the chair, launched a bridal company, became a salon suite owner to most recently opening up a salon. As creative entrepreneurs, we need an education that empowers us and makes an impact on helping us raise our standards. My mission is to teach you how you can reach your goals quickly, build your books and your business faster, and master the framework for creating a successful and rewarding career. Thank you for joining me. Let's do this. Welcome to your Game Changer Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Beauty Business Game Changer podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Alvarez. You guys, I'm so excited to introduce to you my friend. I'm sure you guys know her, but she is the owner of Fuse Salon and Spa. She is the Lanza Global Healing Color Director. She is the behind the chair, two times winner creative for creative color, and she's won dozens of industry uh, publications. And she was also nominated by the salon industry as the top 20 most recognized colorist. In addition, she was also nominated as Citizen of the Year from her community. You guys, this girl is amazing. Leah Freeman, thank you so much for joining us. God, you make me sound so impressive. Thank you so much for having me. That's so funny. I'm like, really? I'm like, I don't. I don't recognize Absolutely. any of that stuff for myself, but um, thank you so much. Leah, I appreciate I it. I want to know yeah. everything about you. Our listeners want to know everything about you because you have, you're from a small town and you have just had this incredible journey and you are so, so like well known in the industry now. Can you tell us a little bit about how your journey got started into the beauty industry? kind of ironic because I think people expect hairdressers to go one or two directions. Either they go into the medical field, you know, either, you know, nursing, physical therapy, something that touches people, or they go into the hair industry. My outlook on life was neither one of those, to be honest. So I, growing up, I struggled through school. I was, I was, um, later, later in life, I was told I was dyslexic. 
I had a couple different learning disabilities. I mean, I struggled, struggled, struggled. I was like the lower 5% of my class. I'm pretty <laughs> sure my parents thought I would live in their basement forever. Like the concerns were there. And uh, when I was trying to graduate high school, I was, I didn't graduate on time. And I remember my school counselor, I mean, I always made it by the skin of my teeth. My school counselor was like, you're not going to graduate. And I had to go home and tell my mom and dad. And I thought for sure my mom was going to be like hysterical. And she wasn't. I think she knew that, you know, I just, I struggled and nothing she could have done or anybody else could have done. I mean, it was just, I was later diagnosed. It was like kind of a, a misread. I mean, it was just, is what it is. There was no, it was no beating, beating a bit, you know, a dead horse out of me on it. So, um, my dad later on, I talked to my parents about maybe going to college and my dad knew there was just no way, you know, but he didn't want to tell me that. So he was like, why don't we put you in state school first? We'll put you at a state college. Like that's local. So I decided to go to Prairie <laughs> state college. I went there for a day and a half. And on the second half day I was there, I walked out mid class and I was like, I and backwards. I can't do this. Like I'm just, I'm backwards. So my dad suggested uh, when I had gotten home um, that, you know, maybe I wanted to consider, you know, going to, you know, a trade school. And my thought was, is I kind of wanted to backpack, <laughs> backpack through Europe. You know, I wanted to, you know, live the life of a, of a, a wealthy child. And I wasn't wealthy. That was the part that I, I didn't know about. So, um, once I figured out that, you know, my parents were going to support, you know, me financially backpacking because they couldn't, number one. And number two, health insurance was an issue, too, at that time. Um, I decided to go to, you know, trade school. And that's how beauty school got introduced to me was basically I needed health insurance. And I'm going to beauty school, um, not really taking to it. I mean, I, I had an eyebrow <laughs> and a mustache till I was 19. So I was never like the cute girl. So, I mean, like I wasn't the attractive one rolling into school. And um I ended up meeting a girl there named Michelle McCauley, and Michelle was like, you should come work at my salon. So I ended up shampooing at the salon called Amato Hair Design. It was like right in Tinley Park, and I was working under a woman named Vivian Germato. And as much as like Vivian, I think, was scared of me, I mean, I, I was dark. I mean, I, I had dark makeup, dark hair, you know, I was like, I look like I, you know, I worship, you know, the devil and all that stuff. And um, she just took to me. And so I started working with her. And she ended up opening a second location in the midst. I ended up graduating from beauty school. And I ended up working under this woman named Jennifer Suarczewski. And Jen was like this bubbly, beautiful, you know, blonde hair girl. Like you could tell she's like the prom queen, like totally opposite end of what I was. And I ended up working with her and I hated her. Like the hate that ran through me was insane. Like I just, I dreaded going to work. And I remember several times I thought about just quitting and just not, not doing this. Like, I just hated it. She was busy. It was like nonstop. Like she had a thousand customers there. Everybody liked her. It was like that whole thing. And I remember leaving work one day and she said to me, you know, she kept calling my name in the parking lot and I was ignoring her. And she's like, I know you can hear me. And I thought I turned and I was like, what? And she's like, if you can't see the good in yourself, no one else will. And she got in her car and left. And I thought, that's a pretty like profound thing to say to somebody. And the next day I came into work as like a different person. So from there on out, me and Jen started getting along. I actually started like doing hair. Uh, I met a guy um, that worked for Salon Centric at the time. He introduced me to Redken. I started to get more interested in doing like, like main stage artistry. Saw a couple artists I really, really thought were amazing. 
started going to the Rudkin world, joined that, did that for about 13 years. Um, the first seven, I really like struggled through it just because I think, again, my learning disability got in the way. And what I started realizing with Rudkin was if I'm having a hard time understanding it, I wonder how many other people are. So I started teaching the way I learned and that's what took my career off. So I started like relating and being a storyteller and just kind of like just looking at things the way I understood it versus like saying how other people understood it. And it wasn't because I felt like the people in the audience didn't understand. It's I didn't understand. So how could I teach something I didn't understand? So I started doing that and it actually really like just sprung my career. So I started doing that, came up the ranks with Redkin, did really, really well. 13 years in, um, I was at this point in my career where I had nowhere else to go. And I started looking and seeking for another position. And that's when um, I found um, Lanza. So Lanza actually came to me. I didn't come to them. They came to me and uh, they were looking for a director. So I decided to go with them um, on director. And uh, yeah, so I gave uh, Redkin my, my final you know, farewell. And it was a great, it was a great push off. They knew I was like looking to excel my career in different areas and they were super supportive. And so I joined this little brand Lanza at the time and uh, met this really great family that owned it. Uh, David Burglass, amazing, amazing man. And he took me under his wing and I have grown exponentially since then too. So it's just been um, an, an ongoing thing of uh, doors of opportunity that have opened but most importantly too i've worked my way through those doors too they just they didn't just fall open for me for sure so oh my goodness yeah, that's, that's pretty in a much nutshell. my story <laughs> now and even though like you you yes like that's you it amazing mentors and then being a part of the education world had really caused a lot of growth but among all of that you had found some time somewhere to open up a salon (laughs) yes yes so yeah so um during my my few years with Amato I worked for them for about seven years and um I just decided I wanted to move a different direction and so I went on my own for a second and I I didn't like it I hated it and so my parents uh wanted to invest in a business so my dad had contacted me one morning he was like what do you think about a salon so we started looking and we decided to venture south. Wow. And we went about 25 miles south of where I was working at just because I wasn't trying to compete. I didn't want to compete or create any, you know, bad, bad juju or anything. So I went far enough away so that way no one could ever say, you know. So I went far enough away. We opened up this business. We were there for about 13 years too. And um, yeah, one day I came in my salon and my landlord was being not the nicest human and him and I had some words and he called my mom a really bad name. And my mom, uh, I mean, I lost my mom a couple of years ago, but you couldn't meet a nicer person in the whole entire world. And uh, my salon manager heard it. My salon manager called my dad. Wow. My dad's like, close it. We're done. So I went home that night and uh, called my dad. He's like, we're moving it North. He's like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with, the antics and the, and the BS and all that stuff. So he, uh, so we decided that that night we were going to close the business at the end of the year and, and move it back up North. So, yeah, so we ended up uh, leaving Mantino. We had, we did a good 13 years with them and then we decided to go to Frankfurt. So we took a, a center space in between three restaurants. 
Um, so we started that out first and then we took the upstairs over and put a spa on. And that's where uh, Lizette Zogar, who's a really well-known makeup artist, she's, she's my spa girl and then I'm the salon girl downstairs. So we ran that for about six years. And then uh, two weeks into quarantine, our next door neighbor decided to uh, close her doors and move. And we decided to take over the 1600 square foot space next door to us. And then we expanded into now our first apparel store. So now I own also Rare Apparel, which is uh, like a clothing boutique, a big clothing boutique. So, cause you know, everybody should be opening a business during COVID. So it's, that's what you don't do, but that's what we oh do. Oh my so gosh, that's incredible. That's what we did. So now, so, so as you go back to like when, yeah. when you started up the salon that you originally were there for 13 years. Yeah. What was that like building your business as you were also yes. really um, uh, molding yourself as an educator? Yeah. I mean, I, I was molding myself as a lot of things, actually. Not just an educator, but I also, during all that, I, I got married. I had a child. There was a lot of things I was doing all at once. I think I would say probably anything and the most important part about being able to do all those things is you have to choose the right people to support you. And I cannot express this more, especially to to new artists, especially when it comes to what happens at home. I I see it all the time. I see, you know, women, both women and men or, or, or whoever join, join the artist network and they, they're, they're, they're full throttle and they don't share their dreams or their ambitions with the people they love and then all of a sudden their exterior of their life is falling apart and the interior looks like it's staying together. And to be in all transparency, I've, I've been married before. This is my second marriage. And that's what happened in my first marriage. My ex-husband, was a, he was a cool guy. But the thing was, I never expressed to him what I really wanted to do with my life. So when it came to me traveling and doing all these things, it was like, wait a second. I, I didn't sign up for this. I'm like, but I did. So I would say when you're, when you're molding your, your career or looking at your future, it's imperative that you have those conversations with the people that are around you, not just your husband, wife, or whatever, but also the team that surrounds you too. Because if you don't have the proper support, even in your own location, it, it eventually everything will fall, fall apart. And the thing is like for me, and, and again, I'm just in transparency. If I said to you, I've had a great run for a long time, I didn't, I fell apart at one point. My salon was doing horribly we were in borderline bankruptcy my parents were completely floating it my team was up in arms my marriage was falling apart you know I had all this stuff and then finally when I stopped and actually looked back and said okay I need to stop I need to literally look at my life right now because if I don't I'm gonna lose everything that's when things started getting better but I can tell you firsthand it was like it was a horrific six years of growing pains it wasn't easy either you know so um, I would say, again, just to kind of, uh, to re- repeat what I said before, like just before you walk into this industry, especially if you're looking to do something like as much as I do, you know, I do 150,000 air miles a year. I'm on the road a hundred days a year minimally. That's a conversation I had to have with now my husband. So I have the proper support. Cause if you don't, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it gets ugly. I've, I've watched it. I've watched several relationships disintegrate um, over. I think that's just so important itself. that you're saying like you have to be around people who support you. And if that's and the number one person has to be that the spouse, if, if, if you're in a relationship, hands down, including your family. Yeah. 
um, and having that support, sure. like what yeah. you, you took a look around yeah. and realized you're not going in the direction that you want to be going. How did you pick yourself up? What, what were the things that you were, that you made changes in to move yourself forward and not become complacent or quit? Yeah. Well, I think, the, I think the terminology life balance is bullshit life work balance. I think it's a bullshit terminology. I'm just being, I'm just in all transparency. And I don't, I don't mean that in a negative form. I just think it's, you know, I think when it comes to life work balance, there's really no balance as far as, as far as I have found personally. So for me, that terminology doesn't work so well for me. What I found was the word boundaries was the word I needed to live by. So what I did was I started creating boundaries in in the different areas of my life. I had work boundaries, I had travel boundaries, I had relationship boundaries, because what I was finding was it was the boundaries that was disintegrating me. It wasn't the balance. The balance to me is never there. Like there are days I work more and there's days that I live more. There's days I'm a better mom and there's days when I'm not. There's days when I'm a great boss and there's days when I'm an epic failure as a boss. But what I do know is once I create boundaries with people, the acceptance of me being able to fail is okay. Because I've created boundaries, I've created expectations, I've created rules for people to live by when they're around me. So that way there's no sense of like, I didn't expect. It's like, no, 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 we had that conversation. You, you did expect it. You just, you don't want to ex- expect it type of thing. So I would say most importantly is, and my key point is that got me off the ground is when I started, again, just giving people boundaries. I don't mean that negatively. I'm just saying like, instead of saying, here's my calendar, I'll travel whatever days you want me to, which I, I did for a long time. I now don't do that. I now black out days that are important to me. I black out days that are not important to me. I say no to stuff. If I've learned one thing, it's like opportunities are there. I feel like people are so afraid to say no because they're afraid the door will close. It's like if you are giving 100% of what you do and you're really mm. good at it, the doors will continue to open. It, you know what I'm saying? So it's like I think there's this, this impression that we're going to disappoint people because in our industry, we're made to feel like that. It's our job to make people's day all day long. Never say no. Yes, I can do it. Yes, I can make you blonde. Yes, I can make you this and keep all the length of your hair. Yes, I can do. And it's like when you say no, it's like all of a sudden this feeling of like overwhelming, you know, I've failed or, you know, or there's, there's this, this feeling of like, you know, I don't, I don't know what the word is to the person. Like, I, like, I've, like I'm not doing enough. So I would say for me, that's where I probably – was able to pick my life back up. Um, I didn't do it alone. I ended up seeking some assistance and I went through a life coach, um, which helped me tremendously. She's an actual certified life coach. She's been doing it for like 20 years. Um, It was probably one of my most (laughs) best invested dollars besides Botox I've ever spent in my life. So (laughs) I think, uh, you know, I think there's areas in our life too that we don't invest in. We don't invest in ourselves. Like we self-care is so important and I did, wasn't giving myself self-care, you know, so I decided 100%. to step back and do that. And it was a when you're right with yourself, you're able to give, I feel like more of your a hundred percent into the, your career or to your family. Yeah. And again, and, and the balance doesn't matter anymore, you know, cause so there's an understanding. Once you realize you know? that this isn't working out. You, you had this salon for 13 years. You, I, you yeah. probably had a team. 
What? Yeah. Yeah. So yes, so we end up we end up moving our team north. Our whole team came with us. So when we had the falling out with my landlord, it happened in front of my whole entire team. My team knew the type of person my mom was. They knew t- we were good business owners. They had known that we had we had always gone to bat for them. That's something I think that's so important. So all my salon owners are listening right now. Please make sure you always remember the customer is not first. It's always your staff. Your staff is always first, the customer second. I know people don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. I had people that came to work when their kids were sick. I had people come to work when they were sick. I had people that came to work, even though they had nobody on their books and would sit all day long and wait for a walk-in. So what we always did was we always put our staff first. So we decided to close and move ourselves 20 minutes north. You know, it was, it was a big thing to go to our staff and say, hey, we're uplifting your lives also, not just ours, but your lives also. And you're welcome to join us, but you are also welcome to have your client list and stay back. So we did give them the option of wow. both. Nobody not one person stayed back. They all, they all came with. And to this day, I still hold majority of that staff. I think we lost one staff member that didn't come from Mantino. Oh my gosh. And wow. we've been in Frankfurt now for almost seven years. That's incredible. Where do yeah. you feel like you, you learned or grew as far as like when it comes to leadership? Leadership is so important with business and it sounds like you're a natural leader. Mm-hmm. I don't always feel that way. Um, I would say, I think for me, my biggest uh, growth and I think we, I think we're, I think, how do I explain this? Like for me, I'll look at a staff member and let's say the staff member is a really good hairdresser, but they're not good at being on time. Or I have a staff member that's really, really good at people skills but she might not dress the best. Or I have a staff member that like, maybe, you know, I, I can give you a hundred examples. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying any of those examples even relate to my staff. I'm just giving examples that people can relate to. What I started realizing was, is you have to look at the good in people and make sure that those goods outweigh the bad. I feel like sometimes when you're a leader, we tend to look at the negative portions of people and we let that operate mm-hmm. how we feel about the, situa- the situation and circumstance. So whenever I look at a, at, a, at a person, if I'm finding there's more bad than good, and that means like, I'm not nitpicking. I don't mean that negativity. I mean, like they're negative when they come to work, they're always late. Um, they don't clean up. They don't, they're not a team player. That's when I'm like, okay, this person's toxic. We need to figure something out here. And whether that's, you know, giving them a different direction in the location, finding out what's wrong, see what, you know, see what it is, or just saying, you know what, I'm going to wash my hands of you now before you creating more toxicity in my location. So what I do always, and I, and I, I don't know if this is the best thing to do, but it's what's worked for me, especially these last few years. And this is something that I've gained awareness probably the last like four years. This is not something I've been doing my whole life is really looking at the person and saying, okay, this one thing might be bad, but she's got a thousand things that are really great. And so in my in the culture of my location too, is when I have one-on-one meetings, if I'm talking to my staff or we're having a meeting in the back and someone brings up that one bad thing about that person, I'll make sure to share with them the thousand things that are great about them. And just like create a, create, create an understanding because everybody's life circumstances at home are completely different. You don't know what's going on behind people's closed doors. So I would say for me as a leader, 
if that's what you want to call me in my location. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think I just, I just work, I just work there. But um, I think that's very important. I also think too, it's important as a leader is taking, taking everybody's opinions. I know there's this, this terminology, there's too many chefs in the kitchen, but people want to be heard. And I feel like now more than ever, social media is given the platform for people just to be whoever they want to be and say whatever they want to say. And yes, there's an opportunity in place for that. But in the same breath too, I think it's also important that you sit down and you find out what motivates your staff because what motivates you doesn't motivate them. And I'm learning that now. Like for me, my motivator my whole life was money. Money was my motivator. I want to make 150. I want to make 250. I want to make 500, whatever it was. Money was my motivator. My staff, no, not even close. My staff is time together is a huge motivator for them. Time off is a huge motivator for them. Money is one of my 26 staff members' motivators. One. So for me to sit down also too and just finding out like what they what their input is on the location. What would they change? What do they want to see more of? How do you guys think we should dress versus me giving a dress code? Like you want people to play your game. You got you got to help them write the rules. And I think that's what makes my staff so strong. And I think that's why we have very little turnover. It's because we've always included our staff on 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 directions I'm and taking decisions. Notes here. <laughs> I love that. And I always, I always have the mentality myself that I work for my staff. My staff doesn't work for me. It's a great, it's a great, I love that. That's a (laughs) t-shirt. So tell me about like this transition into uh, the space in Frankfurt and, and how have you, you know, moving 20 minutes away, you, how did that go about as far as like rebuilding yeah. clientele and <laughs> let me tell you when they when you hear people say location 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 believe it so where we were at we were in a town of six thousand people we loved it it was a great little town but the thing was our rent was super high and the amount of people that would come into our location it wasn't huge we were in a small town our rent was high and we all know that prices are based off of overhead. So when people are like, oh, I get my hair cut so-and-so, I pay $500. I'm like, well, yeah, but you're paying for rent. You're, you're paying for a high rent area. So a lot of the times, yes, it's talent, don't get me wrong, but your base pay and base price is based off of rent and overhead. So where we were at, the rent was high and the area could support it. Majority of the area could support it, but a lot of the area couldn't. So whenever we're pulling clients, we were pulling clients from up north all the time to come south. So at one point, I mean, I'll just, in a 13-year time period, my parents put $1.4 million into my salon to keep the doors open. And this is where you see a lot of artists. Like, I was a really well-known artist. Like, I was, like, I was soaring with Redkin. I mean, I was, like, finally, like, getting my name out there. And I was literally living this fake life. It was completely bullshit. Like I, I would walk on stage and talk about my great salon that my dad was literally funding. He was funding it. He was literally funding it. We were scraping to keep the doors open. It was crazy. I hadn't gotten a paycheck at not one time since I'd worked there. All the money I made behind the chair went back into the location. So when we decided to close the doors, at first, I actually thought about just closing it. 
And my mom was the one that was like, listen, we've had these, the staff with us, a lot of them the whole time since we've been opened. Like, who are we if we just close on them? Like, we can't do that. Like, they trust us. You just can't close the doors. And I, I thought about it. And to be honest, I mean, I, I went back and forth at the direction of just closing it. And we were my husband and I were going to move to Nashville. I swear to God, we were looking at Nashville and Austin. And my mom at the time was alive. And she begged for me to stay back because I'm an only child. And there was only one grandchild. And that was Lyric. And my mom's like, you're going to rob me of you. And now my only granddaughter. And I now hindsight 2020, I kind of feel like she knew something was wrong with her. And she didn't want to tell me is what it boiled down to. My mom knew she was sick. So she convinced us to stay back. And I started looking for a space in Frankfurt. And I, I told my dad, if I'm not in historic Frankfurt, I don't want to be there. And sure, sure enough, we are like smack center. We are the center of historic Frankfurt. Like our space is like, the, how we got our space was like wild. It was already sold to somebody else. Um, the landlord ended up backing out of it and ended up calling us because he just had a good feeling about us. And we got the space. So we were in the location. Uh, we took a location over for one year while that space got built. And then we were in this new location. We were in this location for about three months and we were already profitable. So we were already profiting. And then within 12 months, we were completely profit. We were completely profitable within the three-year time period with the new location, our, our build-out was almost paid off. So we were actually like, we've been fine ever since. So, but it goes to show location, 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 number one. Number two, my biggest mistake I ever made, if anybody wants to open a salon up, take it from me. Every single square foot piece you have in your location should make you money. Your break room is a place of staff infection. So like people are like, you have the smallest break room. You're damn right I do. I don't want anybody in the break room. The break room causes havoc, disorder, and problems. So for me, the break room is for a small refrigerator, a sink, your washer and dryer, and a small eating bar for you to eat at. Outside of that, we don't have television in our break room. We don't have anything that makes them comfortable. We don't have backs on the stools. Like, you know, I have nothing back there that makes people comfortable. So we want them busy. So every square foot we we took over, um, we were able to put our our old thousand square feet. Our new location is 1400 square feet. Our old location had 10 stations. Our new location has 10 stations. So we were able to take our whole big salon and go to half the size of the same stations, which just goes to show you can, you know, utilize your square footage better. So yeah, so we were in the location for two years and my mom passed away. And I kind of always feel like it was like, she wanted to make sure that the salon was doing better because if she didn't, my dad and I, if she would have died, my dad and I would have no relationship. It would have ended up tearing my dad and I apart. That's what, that's what the salon was doing. It was killing us. It was killing our relationship. It was killing my dad and me, my mom and my dad. My mom was constantly fighting for, my, for me and my dad not to fight anymore. It was just, it was a battle, battle, battle up to like those last two years. So I always think like, whether you believe in God or the universe, I think my mom just knew she had to make it long enough just to make sure we were going to be okay. So tell me what your salon looks like with COVID this year. How have you pivoted? Oh God, and gross. you expanded your space yeah. and opened an apparel. You're just a badass, Leah. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want that. <laughs> that are really stupid. Um, so yeah, so our salon right now, we've taken all the mirrors off the walls and we've separated the station six feet apart. Um, 
we've done all of our staff, you know, is fully masked. Uh, we have very strict rules with customers coming in with mask on. Customer wants to argue, they're welcome to leave. Like I'm not putting my staff at risk and I'm not going to be, you know, definable location. It's not going to happen. We're not going to be the location being to be made of. So we've done all that. We have, you know, all the proper sanitation pieces, you know, we're constantly spraying. We got our salon sprayed for COVID. It lasts 30 days. So that if it touches anything on contact, it doesn't, it doesn't live, um, which is a new thing I just found out about. So we had that done last week or week and a half ago. But as of right now, we're pretty much, you know, normal productivity, you know, um, just maintaining, you know, the proper amount of, you know, space in between everybody, um, following the rules. I think it's just the most important thing. I'm not a rule breaker. I don't speed either. So, you know, for me, it's easy. Um, and honestly, most customers have been pretty, pretty cool. I think I've had three customers that have given me a little bit of a problem. One, ironically, last week came in and um, I said, you got to put a mask on uh, to go over to the salon. She goes, oh, I have an exempt. I don't have to wear a mask. I said, okay, well, unfortunately here at Fuse, you have to wear a mask. So, I don't know how to all set to explain that to you. I said, because I'm not exempt, the location's not exempt. It's a, it's a rule. And I get fined as a business owner if you don't wear a mask. And she pulled out a completely lace mask. The mask was completely lace. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whatever, lady. I just, I, you know, you're, you're just, you're a baller. I gotta go. <laughs> like, you're just, I can't. So. Yeah. So tell us about this apparel store and and what's that been like as you know about the beauty industry and about business and that, what is, what is operating a clothing boutique? That, yeah, it's this, it's an interesting, it's a very, very different dynamic. I'm learning about how buyers buy, which is mind blowing. I don't think I ever want to pay full price for clothing again, once you find out the truth about clothes, but, um, so basically what made us do it is we got up, we got the opportunity to take the space over. And originally I was going to make it a bigger salon, to be honest. And we went back and forth about maybe doing a booth rental and having like a, cause we're commissioned, like do like a both, like, you know, a, what do you call that? Blend. Like a blend, yeah, blended, blended location or whatever. And I got into talking with one of my stylists and she's like, we got something really good at Fuse. She's like, we got something really, it's really good right now. Like we have a great team. There's no toxicity. Like, it's awesome. I said, yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I, I feel good about it. You know, we, we've had a good run. We've, we have really no problems, you know, and if there is, it's usually like, you know, taking care of with a conversation or whatever, like anybody else would have, but no drama, nothing like that. It's like, you realize if you get bigger, that just creates bigger problems. And I'm like, you know, you're right. So I thought about it and I'm like, cause you know, salons can be like adult daycares if you're not careful, you know, and when you start doing things like blended salons too, especially it starts to be like that person can do whatever they want because they're paying rent. And I just, I don't know, there's, there's, I'm not a control person. I'm not a control freak. And like I said, I, I let everybody in, in on my rules, but I don't need the stylist that decides that she doesn't want to wear a mask because it's against her constitutional rights. I don't want to deal with that. And I'm seeing that happen right now in this industry. And I'm seeing blended salons fighting with, with their renters and renters fighting with their commission. And I was like, I don't want any of that. Like, I don't need any drama in my life. Like, we have it really easy. It's really good. So I ended up calling my dad up and I said, what do you think about us doing an apparel store and not opening a bigger salon? He's like, I was hoping you were going to say that. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. So we're both on the same, you know, on the same. Like, we have a good thing going. Let's keep it where it's at. 
and um, let's do this instead. So we started buying um, about two weeks into COVID. We actually broke the wall down between the locations and we started like buying stuff for the location itself. And then COVID really took a hit on us because like cabinets and faucets and drawers and things like that were like hard to come by because everything, everybody was like redoing their homes and everything because they were home. So that was a huge, huge problem, but we were able to get through that slump. And um, as of like yesterday, we finally got our refrigerator delivered. So our break room is moved to next door now. And yeah, it's kind of cool. The staff is super excited. We give them the discount we pay for clothes. So they, they love that perk. It's like a, you know, an employee perk. And then, you know, they get to, you know, wear accessories during work and put it back on the shelf when they're done, you know, stuff like that they do, but it's, it's a cool little thing. I, I, I like it. I think it's something that, um, I don't know. I, I have this, this terminology that ran through my head after seeing uh, a spokesperson for a motivational group. And he said, you, you want to make money while you sleep. And I thought that's a, that motivated me hard. I'm like, I, I can't make money while I, I'm not making money while I'm sleeping, but I could do it if I do this. So that's kind of like where my motivation came from. Like I said, I'm money motivated. So that's like my biggest goal is to have like a pretty good online outlet. And, you know, we're creating our own brand. We're going to have two brands. Um, one is going to be our salon brand, which, uh, I don't, I don't want to swear on your podcast, but it's, can I swear? Sure. I don't know if I can't. Okay. So our salon brand is unfuckwithable. So we started this brand five years ago. I know people are going to think it's inappropriate and I'm okay with that. I can take the judgment. I'm good, (laughs) but I'm a, I'm a female run business. We're all girls. And I did this thing five years ago with my staff and I took them to a gym to learn how to, a self-defense course. And I had these t-shirts made that said unfuck with the bull on them. Just so people would know that just because we're girls doesn't mean we're, we're girls. You know, it's like, we all can fight. We all, we all got it in us. And so that kind of like stuck with our brand. And so we had customers asking for t-shirts with it on it and we were in sweatshirts and hats. And all of a sudden we created this brand around it. So we're going to have that brand. And then we have another brand called She Is Rare. And it's just, it's a woman empowerment brand. Just, you know, making people understanding that being rare is okay. And that's where Rare Apparel came from. It's just, it's okay. You don't have to, because I, I, I was always the rare one. I was always the oddball, you know, and ironically my whole life, I thought that was wrong and not okay. I always had a weird name, you know, I was always slightly picked on or bullied and I look back now, I think, wow, it's okay. I'm glad I was rare. I'm glad my name was Leah, not, you know, I don't know, you know, whatever other name I could have, my mom could have named me. So, but it took me a long time to recognize that. So that's where those two things come from. So we're going to be starting those two brands up here soon. So that's going to be our rollout of our website. So that's so those two are going to be your new apparel lines. Yes. So we have several apparel lines, but that's going to be our actual, like what, what we make ourselves. Yeah. And then a portion, a portion of the proceeds will go to different, um, we'll choose a different, um, charitable, charitable, um, uh, brand, uh, event or, uh, charitable ch- charity, whatever, every year, we'll, cho- we'll choose a new one every year to, uh, choose to, um, go towards. And then we're also, um, trying to bind up right now with a uh woman she's amazing it's a it's a brand called it could be your kid and it's basically just fighting against racism so that's a big thing we we're getting excited about you know being a part of and uh i'm looking at a couple of different things like just to kind of just raise love and awareness to you know that people are people and i think we've seen that this year hugely so um 
just basically the d different directions we're going into and just hoping, you know, just branching out, you know, a, a positive motivational Absolutely. approach too. So I think by using your experience, your wisdom, um, and your businesses for the greater good, it's, it's an extension of you. It's not, it's not just that you do really great hair. It's, there's so much more that you're able now to give back to the world and leave a legacy. Well, I appreciate that. I'm well, <laughs> I always think that's I'm a little legacy, but yeah, leave something. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So it sounds like your, your salon, you, what I really love, what I'm hearing from you, Leah, is that regardless of the obstacles that you have gone through, your trials, your tribulations, the, the growing pains, you have always persevered. And the fact that we have all have gone through 2020 and you're still a visionary, you're still future thinking is just so um, inspiring. Um, oh, what is it that like is, I mean, you say money is your motivation. Is there any yeah. else, anything else that you just feel like I need to keep pushing forward because this, this, and this? Yeah. You know, I, I think, and I, 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 I don't know if I should say this. I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but you know, I had this moment, I was standing in my salon five years ago. Our salon had just opened. It was beautiful. It was like beautiful. Like, the floors are still cool and the walls are still white. You know, the whole thing, everything was brand new. And these four women walked in my location and I recognized every single one of them. And where I recognized them from was when I was a sophomore in high school, I was sitting at the lunch table and I was eating French fries with cheese and chili, which probably wasn't the healthiest choice. And I can remember <laughs> them making fun of me. I can remember them sitting there making fun of me. I could, I could hear it. And I just kept eating and eating and eating and just trying to get through lunch. And it was interesting because those four girls walked to my location and the one girl looked at me and she said, oh my gosh, are now, are you Leah Freeman? And I said, I am. And we're standing there talking. She's like, do you remember me? And I thought, bitch, I do. I do remember you. That's what I remember thinking. And we started talking and she's like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. I love downtown Frankfurt. She's like, you must love working here. And I said, actually, I love owning here. And she's like, you own this? I said, I do. She's like, oh my God, good for you. And I thought, screw you, bitch. Like, honestly, I don't know what it was. It was like, at that moment, I felt like I was driving the karma bus and I just ran her ass over. That's how I felt at that moment. And I think the thing is, it's like, I don't know, maybe that's part of why I always push through is just because I've been told I couldn't. Or I remember I had a school counselor tell me, she's like, you know what, you might really make a great stay-at-home mom. I'm a horrible stay-at-home mom. It is the hardest job in the world. And any mom that does it, God bless you for doing it because it is the hardest job in the world. And I just thought like, who are you to stand in, in, in front of anybody? So I think my whole thing is like, and I think again, Jen, my friend Jen in the parking lot that day, it's like, if you don't see the good in yourself, no one else will. And I think when I started realizing that I'm pretty, a, a, a pretty tenacious person and it takes a lot to push me down and I'm super forgiving too. Like I'm a very, very forgiving individual also, which I think has kind of helped me along the way also. But I don't know. I just think, I think it's a little bit of a combination of stuff. I think it's one thing is because I was told I couldn't. Don't tell me I can't do anything, so I'm going to do it. That's number one. Um, number two, I mean, I feel like you got one life to live. Live it to the extent that you can. Why, why 
why fail yourself short? You know what I mean? I don't know. I just think, I don't know. We, we live in the land of opportunity and I just feel like sometimes excuses are easier than actually just doing it. I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have, I have failed and I have, I've sat back and I've cried and, and I've felt sorry for myself, but I don't know. I just think nothing's that bad. You know, there are, there's really bad shit in this world. There's really bad things that happen to people on the daily. There, there are very bad things. I see it all the time. And I think sometimes I have to look at it and say, okay, this is really not that bad. It's like the whole COVID thing. People are bitching and complaining about COVID. Okay. I mean, I get it. It's, it's, don't get me wrong. It's horrible. COVID's horrible. I, I don't mean that there. I'm saying like when I had these people that were staying at home and, and they were like, oh, I've been off work for three months and, you know, and a lot of people were making more money than they've ever made in their lives. You know, they're on unemployment. They've done, you know, they've done really well. I'm not saying not everybody. So I, I should take that back. Not everybody had that same experience, but the people that did, I'm like, oh my gosh, you just got gifted an opportunity to stay, sit at home and spend time with your family and like kind of reconvene and like smell the roses, you know what I mean, for a minute. So for me at first, I was like really upset. My salon had closed. There's all these things. But like at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I learned a lot during COVID. I learned a lot of things. I learned about the value of who I was. I realized how much I had, tra- I had traveled so much that I had forgotten so much of my life that I, I, I didn't see. I got to watch my daughter grow up for the first time three consecutive months. I've never experienced that with her. So for me, I don't know. I think every opportunity is an opportunity for growth, you know, good or bad, you know? So I don't know if that's persevering or persevering, whatever the word you are, whatever the word you use, but I don't know if that's the right answer, but I don't know. It's just my answer, I guess. I love it. This, 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 you're amazing, Leah. You're I took so, so many. I took so many notes. Um, you're just such a humble person, and you're so authentic. I just love that. And I, your salon is doing amazing things. You're doing amazing things, and it's just going to be so awesome to see where the next five years, where the next ten years is going to take you, because you just don't stop. You just keep going, and you've just touched so many people's hearts. So well, I really pre- I appreciate that. I don't always feel that way. So I really appreciate that. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think we're just a bunch of human beings running the hamster wheel right now. So, yep. Well, thank you so much for uh, being a part of the show. Um, Thanks. Um, I, just, I can't wait to have everybody listen to this. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Any and Anything anybody ever needs, like, just know, like, I'm super accessible when it comes to questions about hair color. I know we didn't talk about hair color or anything today, but my, obviously my, my whole gig in, in the hair industry is hair color. So I always tell people, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'm always super responsive. I always respond within 24 seconds, 24 minutes or 24 hours. So, um, yeah. Are those within your boundaries? <laughs> they are with my boundaries. Yes. Cause I, <laughs> They are because I establish them. So once I establish them, I'm fine with them. It's always better if you make the boundaries. Remember, don't let anybody else make them for you. I love that. Leah, where can people find you? So I am uh, on Instagram. It's Leah Freeman one. Uh, I would say you can follow me on TikTok, but I'm horrible at TikTok right now, but I'm Leah Freeman 11 on TikTok, but Instagram is pretty much my jam. So please feel free to reach out to me there. And anytime, any day of the week, like I said, I'll get back to you within 24 hours. Um, and also Leah, before we go, is there any, um, 
big classes or any big things happening with Lonza right now that uh, people can sign up for? That's a good, thank you for that. Um, actually, this year we're pretty much tapped out on classes, but next year we are going to be doing something called the one tour um, and tickets will be going on sale here soon. I think in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you check out Lonza.com or you can also follow Lonza at Lonza hair care uh, on Instagram and you will see the one tour come up. Uh, that tour will be with myself, Matt Swinney, Ammon Carver and Scott Seeper. So we'll be doing a collaboration of classes that are not, Lonzified, they're just hairified. So we're going to be doing all things about hair, nothing about Lonza. Just Lonza is supporting the event. Wow. Yes. I need to sign up for that. Yes. Wow, that's awesome. So in the show notes, I'm going to put your um, Instagram handle and then also um, for more information on the Lonza, and then I'll update it when the class, uh, the one tour is available. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And I hope, uh, hope I can enlighten some people and I hope I didn't offend anybody, but you know, I just hope it, it's all good stuff. Absolutely. 100%. All, all good feelings. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the beauty business game changer podcast. If you love to keep track of your favorite shows, then subscribe to this podcast to receive the newest edition when it's released. This podcast was created with you in mind, so I'd love to get your review to learn how this podcast has helped you in your career. And because I love my listeners and want to connect more, join me in our free Facebook community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash salon and suite business. My mission is to help beauty professionals like you create a career that supports the life you want to live. Thank you for being a part of the journey. Thank you.